Cover podcast week one of the 2020 NFL season in the books. Um, Ravens win. Uh, I'm joined as always by Carrie and Chris. We'll uh, talk a little bit about uh, Ravens win over the Browns. Uh, you know, we're a little later in the week at this point. Um, I blame Game Pass and the coaches' film. That's 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 that <laughs> they couldn't get it together, man. And they came out late and it just threw everybody off. Uh, but so we'll, we'll we'll touch on the on, on the and recap that game a little bit. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the Texans, which is right around the corner now. And, and we really want to dedicate some time uh, to doing some fantasy discussion because we, we we teased that kind of in the off season that we wanted to have a little more fantasy um, content on the show. I mean, and, and it only makes sense when you have two fantasy studs on your podcast you should probably be talking some more fantasy so we're going to try to do that too so before we get into all of that this is a little primer let's touch base with the guys carrie what's going on man? i'm doing well man doing good glad to be back with you guys um i gotta say uh that blowout this past sunday is partly our fault you know we've been talking up the ground so much to the point that you know we were probably going to have to make some decisions going forward whether we were going to remain a Ravens podcast. And we did all that talking, and the Browns came out there and got blown out. So you know, kind of kind of feel like we are to blame a little bit for this. <laughs> that was that was the reverse psychology, Karen. I talk them up, talk them up, talk them up, talk them up, and then they get curb stopped. So, uh, no, I, I honestly do uh, think the Browns still have a shot to, to, to be good this year. That probably sounds idiotic considering what we just witnessed last Sunday. But, it, hey, the season is young. We, we're one game in the books. I mean, look, at the, look at the Titans last year. Yeah, yeah. You better tighten up, right? <laughs> you better tighten up, people who, who think it can't happen when it can. Just, just, just we'll see. We'll see. I'm Seven probably... playoff teams. Seven playoff teams this year. Yeah. See? So you 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 making the case. That that was Chris. Let's let's ask Chris. In addition to uh being the biggest Steelers fan in Ravens Nation, uh <laughs> may, maybe even giving the Browns a little love right there. I don't know. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm happy we have some football to watch now. It's not just guessing now. We we actually have some film we can watch and, and we can see these this great roster actually at work. Yeah, we we obviously were very excited all all season about the draft, uh, about some of the the veteran player acquisitions that they made, and we got to see it all on display. Um, and it last was Sunday. beautiful. It was beautiful. It was it was. I mean, you you really couldn't have hoped for things to go um, much better. You know, I mean, uh, a dominating win. Lamar coming off of a unanimous MVP season looks like he got even better, which seems impossible. Uh, but but it, it was possible because we saw it. Uh, <laughs> you got to see um, Calais Campbell make an impact. Derek Wolf played well. Deshaun Elliott, you know, makes his debut. J.K. Dobbins, Devin Duvernay, James Prochet, you know, all of these guys we talked about all offseason. And, and guys, you know, on, on the team, um, you know, who maybe are, are coming into a little bit of an increased role this year, whether it's Tyus Bowser or, or you know, 
Jalen Ferguson getting some action. We talked about all of these guys and we got to see it all. Um, so let me let me start with you on that, Chris. What were your uh, impressions of the game overall and um, coming out of it? Um, you know, how, how do you feel? You know, are you are you on you on cloud nine? Are you thinking, hey, now nah, it was good, but but maybe there's a little little thing here or there to to, to clean up. Um, well, just uh, naturally, I'm always like on cloud eight, you know, like I don't want to be too happy, but um, I, I, I like to enjoy the wins because there's always things they could clean up. Obviously, it's, a, it's never a perfect win. But uh, when you think about it, you know, the whole covid situation where these guys have less time, practice time together and then for, to see them execute so well in the, on the, in the first game and Lamar just look even better than he did last season just from a processing standpoint because physically it's it's always been there you know pocket management uh able to throw while on the run able to stay in the pocket and stand strong that's always been there since since he was at louisville but now what we see is the mental part of the game like you can just see it slow down for him when he's just you know reading the field and how he's navigating through the pocket now there was a, a play where, where Tyree Phillips gets pushed into him. And before, we might have seen him last year. We, he didn't really panic last year, but we would have seen him probably do a spin move to get out of that. Just, you know, just to get out of the way. But you just saw him put his hand slightly on Phillips' back and just stay there in the pocket nice and calm and deliver a, a, a nice ball to, I believe it was Mark Andrews. And it's like last year, he wouldn't have done that. But now that the game is just slowing down so much, and he's like Neo from the Matrix right now, the way he's seeing the field. Yeah, man, that that was exactly my thought. Um, I guess it shows my age a little bit too with the, Ma- the Matrix reference. But that that's that's something that I had thought about last year, really even 2018 is probably where it initially crossed my mind. And I was thinking about guys like Aaron Rodgers, like Russell Wilson, who you know, have gotten to the point in their careers where they're actually intentionally scrambling to create opportunities down the field. You know what I mean? Right. It's not a reactionary scramble all the time. Sometimes it's, hey, I'm going to break the pocket uh, to one side or the other because I've got some coverage defenders who maybe, you know, got their eyes in the backfield. I can manipulate them a little bit by doing that and buy some time, you know, for my guys to kind of uncover and then you, you're actually creating more plays that even even when the defense has, a, you know, the, the initial coverage is good. You're able to create plays from the pocket. Right. Or, or, or outside the pocket, but, you know, from behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, and that that's like the next level that that's like you said, that's when you see the matrix for what it really is. And you're you're able to do some things that just almost can't be defended, um, you know, and, and I think we got a little sneak peek. Uh, at that, um, Carrie, I'll, I'll throw it to you and, and ask you the same question. Your overall impressions of the game against the Browns, and um, are you also on cloud eight, or do you do you get to nine, or or maybe you're you're somewhere under <laughs> eight or nine? Yeah, I think I I'd echo those sentiments of Chris. Um, I'm you know kind of on cloud eight. I I really like what I saw from Lamar. Um, I think uh, Kimmy Cusick pointed out a um, very telling stat um, of his. His passer rating under pressure was like 140, which is, you know, absolutely insane uh, to be that efficient 
um, you know, under pressure. Uh, it just lets you know uh, um, the growth um, he's, you know, going through right now and, um, you know, just being able to be the MVP but still build on your game. Um, you see uh, progression starting to speed up a little bit more. Uh, you see uh, uh, just a, a tightness in his game, a um, uh, in overall decision making. You see things uh, outside the numbers, uh, you know, start to look cleaner coming out of his hand. You know, those kind of things. So I thought that was great to see. Uh, Hollywood Brown to me was very impressive. Um, some of those plays last year where you can see him kind of. Uh, hesitant in his cuts or, you know, after the catch, you know, not really, um, you know, fully exploding to his capability because of that foot injury, you see the health in him now. And I think um, I think he's on the verge of uh, uh, superstardom, honestly. I, I think at the end of this year, you're going to look at him as one of the top young receivers in, in all of football, and, you know, in my estimation. So that was that was good to see. Um, seeing all of Ricky's kind of get uh, thrown into the fire early, and I think those guys held up relatively well. Uh, that was great to see um, early on. And then another thing that was, um, and this was probably the most exciting thing for me of the whole game, was um, we kind of speculated about what the pairing was going to be on the offensive line. And I think I was under the impression that, you know, maybe they would be a little bit more conservative with the group that they put out there. But from the very um, first game of the season, they went with what I feel like is the highest upside uh, pairing that they could have went with, you know, with with uh, Matt Scura, um, you know, jumping in and being able to start from game one. And then going with a uh, big physical guy like Tyree uh, Phillips at right tackle, I'm, I'm sorry, at right guard, um, you know, ha- having that kind of um, physical presence um, on the interior. And, you know, he's going to have some maturity and growing pains and stuff like that. But for both of those guys to be um, enough into their, um, you know, development as players, and I, I hate to say development as far as scorer, but. Um, you know, he had the injury thing that he's working through. But for both of those guys to be at a point where uh, they can be starters uh, early on, to me, you know, speaks volumes for, um, you know, their talent. And, uh, you know, it's just a, a good thing to see uh, come to fruition so early on. Because, like I said, I, I think that this five is the highest upside five that they can put out there so you know that that's kind of you know a few of my takeaways from me yeah that all that that offensive line um comment is 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 an interesting one because we we kind of started to see some you know some some sort of smoke signals about the possibility of tyree phillips starting at right guard you know right right around roster cut down time and you know we talked about it Right on one of our shows, uh, I think when we were doing our prediction show and, and when we were talking about the number of offensive linemen we were keeping, and I think we all kind of were thinking along that same line. Like, well, we didn't necessarily know if he was going to be the starter, but there was some thought that, um, you know, either he or Fluker were going to end up being kind of that that reserve swing kind of guy, right, guard tackle type guy, and 
you know, unfortunately, um, Fluker had to come in the game into that role because of an injury to Rodney Stanton, um, who, who also didn't, didn't practice again today, didn't practice yesterday or today. So that's something to definitely monitor. Um, he for practiced tomorrow. today. He did? Yeah, it was a limited practice. Uh, he oh, okay. and Jimmy got in a limited practice today. Okay. Yeah, well, that's see. Don't don't listen to me right there. I might be trying to set you up. Um, <laughs> that's that <laughs> so that's good. fan in you. That is that is. You're you're right. Always always trying to throw some salt in there somewhere. Um, no, so that that is that is good news. And uh, but you know we got to see Fluker come in, in into that role. But I think it just really it, it really speaks volumes, like you said, Kerry, about where Phillips is at right now. You know, with everything that happened in this off season because of the pandemic and, and how it was shortened for rookies for him to come in and win that job over a guy who, you know, has, has, has started in this league ever since he was drafted in DJ Fluker um, really says a lot about what they think about Tyree Phillips um, and, and, and Matt Skura look to come back from the injury that he came back from and play in that first game um, also is, is, is really impressive. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited about the combination that they have out there too, and, and look forward to uh, you know, how they continue to kind of grow and gel together and um, just, you know, spinning it forward quickly. Now, just, just this next game, um, another, another tough test up front uh, in terms of uh, a marquee player, on the Texans defensive line and JJ Watt. I mean, he's, he's not, uh, probably, you know, prime Watt when he was, you know, multiple time NFL defensive player of the year, but he's still darn good. Um, and, and so that, that's going to be a challenge for them to have to deal with. But, um, so let's, let's talk about this, this Texans game a little bit. I mean, I know that you may feel like we're moving on quickly from the Browns game. I'll, 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 you know, ask you guys if you want to say anything else about it. But I mean, I guess, look, it was it was such a, a, a thorough drubbing uh, that I don't know. There's a whole lot more uh, to say. But I know I know people had some concerns about the the Ravens run game because uh, if you look at the numbers, um, you know they didn't they didn't rush for a very high yards per carry. Um, and then I guess you could flip it around and look at the defense, and the defense gave up uh, you know some some kind of chunk runs to to Chubb and 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 hunt so so let me yeah let me let me pause there for a minute we'll, we'll at least we'll touch on that before we move on um i'll start with you this time carrie Th- those two things whether it's uh the the run defense the ravens or run offense of the ravens um do you have any maybe you know lasting concerns about uh how either one of those units played or, or do you just kind of chalk it up to, Hey, it's a, it's, it's a one game sort of scenario and, and we'll see what things look like going forward. Yeah. As far as the run defense is definitely something you want to kind of keep uh, in the back of your mind. I mean, for what the last, we say what 13, 14 games here now with this team, they've been so overwhelming as an offense and, what that's done is forced a lot of teams into negative game scripts. And so once we saw the acquisition of Marcus Peters, and then we know what Wink Martindale brings to the table schematically, uh, you know, this makes this team very difficult to throw on. So when you got a team that's overwhelming you offensively, especially in a run game, and then 
you got a team with a, uh, you know, one of the best secondaries in the league, even without Earl Thomas. And then you have, you know, a creative genius like Wink Martindale. Um, you know, you're putting you're putting people in the bind. You know, you that, that those are two very complementary things. And so you're asking uh, a quarterback to drop back 50 times and try to, uh, you know, find his way, you know, into, um, you know, successful um, territory against, uh, you know, one of the best secondaries in the league again. And, and you know, with Wink Martindale scheming up these zone blitzes, you know, that that's tough sledding for anybody. So uh, what I think you could see going forward, um, teams are going to look at this and, you know, factor in all these things, but they're going to look at this tape and say, hey, the Ravens are kind of having some trouble stopping that run, you know, specifically the zone run. So, you know, I would not be surprised if you see teams kind of um, throw a little bit more zone running into their game plans and, you know, play more of a, a keep away style. Um, you know, you saw the, the Browns have some success running the ball. They tried to fake punt early on that's a clear tale that they, you know, they understand what kind of juggernaut they're dealing with. And so they're trying to steal a possession. They're trying to do different things to, you know, try to overcome uh, what this team brings to the table. So I think as we go along, it's going to be important for the Ravens to kind of to address those things and get that stuff nipped in the bud, because that's something that they're going to keep seeing if they don't, because honestly, what else would you do against this team? You know, this team is so good offensively, um, so efficient offensively, so good as a pass defense. Um, you know, you, what else do you do but, you know, try to run the ball and, you know, try to play keep away? Uh, so, you know, that's something I'm looking at as far as the run defense. As far as the run offense, I would kind of kick this back to you, Mike, as a question. I know um, – you and Cole and some of the work you guys did last year, um, you kind of pointed out that in the run game, it's so varied that from week to week, you could see them run, you know, gap scheme, you know, power a ton of times one week. And then the next week you can see them run zone a bunch. And so kind of marrying that with, the running back rotation, did you get any kind of tells on maybe who they thought was a better fit as far as what kind of run play it was as opposed, um, you know, as it pertains to Dobbins and Ingram and Edwards? You know, I just wondered if you noticed any kind of tells there uh, to kind of try to figure out a, a rotation uh, for these guys. Well, I think in in this first game, it, it looked like it was more of a hot hand approach um, that they kind of followed. You know, Dobbins, um, you know, was able to pop a couple early. Obviously, he had the touchdowns. And and so I think, you know, he, he ended up getting more carries than Ingram just just from sort of that hot hand approach. Because if you look at some of the concepts, um the one they probably ran the mud, you know, we're not, we're not charting it this year like we did last year. So this is just eyeball test from watching the film. But um, the one that I, that I saw show up the most was, was power. And obviously it's, it's one of Greg Roman's favorite. He's going to run power every game. He's never 
going to not run power. But they ran it with everybody. They ran it with Dobbins. They ran it with Ingram. They ran it with Edwards. So everybody got a chance uh, in, in that one particular concept to run it. So I think it's probably going to vary um, game by game. I, I would say um, that Hill didn't, you know, didn't play. He was he was not active for this game. But I would say um, Dobbins and Ingram are probably more your all-purpose type guys, right? Can 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 run any scheme well. Um, I'd say Gus is probably a little more comfortable in gap, but he had some of his longest runs last year off his own concept. So, so who knows? And then I think uh, same with Justice Hill because of his speed and his burst, you want to say he's probably a little more effective uh, as a zone runner because, you know, if he can hit that one cut and, and hit a crease, you know, he's got the, the burst and the speed to, to turn it into a long run. But he also, um, had you know some 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 nice runs on some gap skiing concepts. So with them, it's really hard, I think, to narrow it down that way unless you get even more down in the weeds and you start looking at some of their option concepts. Now there, I think you can see you know guys who who do certain things a little better. Like like Gus, uh, if he's getting that dive, he's 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 very good uh, at that. Probably the best out of all of their guys on getting sort of that dive carry off, off any of their option concepts. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of you. Cole and I were talking about this recently. I mean, it was, it was dramatic how much more effective he was on those runs than the other types of runs um, that, that they used him on. So, you know, when you get into those, those option concepts, some, something starts, things start to crystallize a little bit better, I think, but overall, yeah, I, I, I don't, it, it's just hard to say. Uh, right now, uh, Dobbins ran a lot of zone in college, probably primarily zone in college. So um, I kind of thought maybe we'd see him on a little, a few, a few, you know, more of those concepts. Um, but I, I think you know he he ran a fair amount of gap stuff too. And Ingram is a really good zone runner, ran it a lot in New Orleans. Uh, and so they still run, you know, they still call some of that because he's a really good outside zone runner. So I think they don't want to take that away from him. So. Man, Roman is just so balanced and so diverse in his run schemes. And, and now you've got all of these backs who can run in all of these schemes, too. So it's 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 kind of crazy that way. Um, but let me hit you, Chris, on it before we, we move off this to the Texans game. Um, your thoughts on the Ravens run game, uh, how they defended uh, the run and, you know, maybe even the pass rush. I should ask you about that, too, Kerry, because I think some people had a little little concern about the pass rush too and felt like they weren't super effective um even though they won 38 to 6 <laughs> what do you think chris uh, well and when it comes to, uh so for the the run defense um something that denard said um last week shout out to denard where he said run defense is the last thing to come up uh to you know really get in sync with for uh, a defense and I, I think that's so true because over the offseason, we were watching Derek Wolf. When we saw how he worked in tandem with with uh, Von Miller, you could see those guys had this chemistry where they knew they had the timing and the spacing, and they knew, you know, where the other one was going to be at a certain point. And you know, in game one, you know, with pretty much it's damn near a whole new front seven. With you know, you have Judon, you have uh, Brandon Williams, and you have Tyus Bowser and Pernell McPhee. Those guys were there last year, but 
the rest of these guys, they're pretty much brand new. So, of course, it's going to take some time for them to gel together. And, and, and with no preseason either, they, they really need that time to, to just get in sync with each other. And we saw the same thing last year with their defense when they just needed a little bit of time. That was more on the back end, but they needed more time to, to just get in, in sync with, with one another. And I don't think it's something to be, to be alarmed by. I mean, because the Browns, their offensive line, they're, you know, they're no slouches. And those two guys that they have running the rock with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, that's the most deadly combo in the league right now in terms of running backs. So, I mean, that, to come out game one, you know, a whole new front seven, I feel like, you know, there, there were some holes here and there. But overall, I feel like they're, you know, fixable mistakes. They'll be able to, to build off of it. And now that they got these reps against those guys, that they'll be able to see that on film and they'll be able to correct those mistakes that they made. Um, as far as the run game, I just think I think teams are going to sell out to stop the run. And they're going to try to do everything to make Lamar throw the ball. Like we saw with Sheldon Richardson's comments. <laughs> where he said, you know, Lamar Jackson's not just going to turn into Aaron Rodgers. It's okay, you know, keep thinking that. Take away the run and make him throw. And you saw what he did, 20 for 25. So I, I feel like that had to do with it as well. But again, you know, this, there's no more Marshall Yonder. Ronnie Stanley left the game early. Matt Skur is coming back from a devastating knee injury. So it's... You know, it's a dance as well in the, in the front, the, the offensive line. It's a dance. So, you know, those guys, they, they have to get in sync with each other as well. And, you know, Matt Skura has to, you know, build himself back up essentially and, and try to get back to where he was. And Tyree Phillips, you know, he, he's a rookie, so he's going to make his mistakes. But um, I, I don't think it's something to be alarmed by at, at all in any sense because I – this run game will get on track. It's it's not like, like you know, they would just be in Stonewall the whole game. But, you know, when you have Lamar Jackson throwing the way he was throwing, it's it's going to be tough to beat them. Yeah, I think that continuity point that kind of was a theme that ran through both what you and, and, and Kerry said is 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 the critical point um, that we and we know that particularly about the offensive line that. Those guys um, have to work together to really develop that chemistry and that coordination. And, you know, you can say, well, yeah, they've been in training camp and they have these practices, but it's not the game. Um, You know, it's not the same as the game. And and even a preseason game isn't the same as a regular season game. But but it's 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 closer to a, a regular season game than a training camp practice. So not having those game reps to work on, you know, how they see certain things and how they react to certain things, because, you know, look, you're going to practice against certain looks in your defense and, and they're going to react certain ways. And, you know, that's going to cause you to, to block certain ways. But then, you know, when you face other teams, you study them on film, obviously, and you expect certain things, but sometimes they're going to get out there and they're going to react differently than what you expect. And, and you don't, when guys haven't worked together for a long time, you might not know how the guy next to you is going to is going to react to something. He may not see it the same way that you see it just because you guys haven't you know, been together enough 
to develop that kind of chemistry where you see it the same way. And he's like, all right, when I see this happen, here's what I'm going to do. And I know that um, Bozeman or I know that Phillips is going to is going to react this way. So, you know, that takes that takes time uh, with the offensive line. And, and on defense, look, I it, it's a little bit different. But again, it, it's still coordination. I mean, you you have to kind of know what the guy next to you, particularly run defense, is going to do. I mean, you know, run run defense. You know, you, you, I always like to use the visual concept of like a fence. Right. You if you're looking at it from behind, if you were behind the defense, you'd want to be able to see all of the defenders jersey numbers. Right. You don't want to see any shoulders turned where you can't see a number. You, you want that, you know, square up to the line, somebody in every gap, like a picket kind of fence. Right. And that, again, takes time. People have to understand where they fit in in a particular defensive concept. And are they where they're supposed to be or are they thinking about uh, what's happening to the left or to the right of them? and say, well, it doesn't look like that guy over there is where he's supposed to be, so I need to get over there and cover for that. Yeah, they did a little bit of that in the early part of last year where guys were just trying to do too much, right, and just... just What is Chris? Yeah. Hey, we got you. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. Yeah. No. Nah, so I, Sorry I was just that. saying that. Uh, no, you know good. what happened. You're good. I'm gonna say that that continuity thing is 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 you know something that I think we got to keep in mind, and it's it's one game. You know, there's a, there's a long way to go. Um, and as as uh, somebody used to always tell me, it's not time to panic until it's time to panic. So we'll have to kind of go forward a little bit and see uh, if it continues. And then uh, remember like the early part of last year where they gave up like back-to-back 500 yard games, right? And it was like, okay, now it's time to panic. <laughs> so, you know, we, if we, if we get there, if we see, you know, the Texans put up a good, you know, a good running, uh, good running number against them. And then the Chiefs put up a good running number against them. Then, okay, maybe it's time to panic. but uh, you know, we're not, we're not there yet. Um, but speaking of the Texans, let's 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 touch on that game a little bit real quick before we get into the fantasy stuff. So um, first road game of the year, first uh, coronavirus era road game. So there, there's probably going to be some uniqueness uh, with that in terms of travel and, and all of that. But uh, we got a chance to see the Texans um, open that opening game, um, you know, Thursday night versus the Chiefs. And, you know, initially uh, early. I thought the, the Texans were doing some some cool stuff on offense, particularly with David Johnson and Duke Johnson on the field at the same time. You know, not, having having one guy split out, having another guy in the backfield, having a guy go from the backfield to the slot. I thought they they were really trying to do some 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 pretty cool things with those two guys. But then you know the game gets away from them a little bit. DJ gets nicked up a little bit, and um, you know you kind of don't see as much of that anymore. And then course Clyde Edwards and Lair started running all over them um, and it kind of just spirals from there so um, you know Deshaun Watson is always going to be a problem you always have to account for him the guy is special um, they've obviously got some talent at wide receiver with guys like Will Fuller uh, not sure what Brandon Cook's status is for this game um, you know if he's going to go or not but another talented guy um, talked about the running backs 
their defense is solid. We, we, we mentioned J.J. Watt earlier, um, pretty good at the linebacker level. Um, you know, got some got some solid players in the secondary. So, you know, I think you could look back to the game they played against the Texans last year when the Texans came to Baltimore and got curb stomped. And you, you could you could let that uh, sort of give you uh, maybe a little bit of, a, of a overconfidence and say, oh, they, they dusted this team off last year. Why wouldn't they do the same? But it's a new season. And, you know, this is this is going to be at their place. And, and you just never know. So I'll, I'll start with you on this, Chris. What, what do you think about um you know, the, the matchup with the Texans. Um, on paper, I like it a lot, but, um, like I, you know, that doesn't get, the game doesn't get played on paper, but, um, it's, you would think that the Texans wouldn't be as strong this year as they were last year with, uh, Nuke Hopkins, at least on, on offense. Um, cause right now they're just relying on Will Fuller. They're relying on Brandon Cooks, you know, two guys who are, always banged up and Cooks is went into last week's game banged up. I think it's a, a hamstring that's that's uh slowing him down. But um and you know they come in with uh David Johnson on the team. Which is good. It, you know it's David Johnson he showed out well last week but he's he's no DeAndre Hopkins, that's for sure. And that was evident last week by the way they played. Um I think what we will see is uh them want to come out more aggressive. Because I think last week against the Chiefs, they were, I don't want to say they played it conservatively, but they they kind of shrunk the field in a way. They didn't, when you have Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks, that's a lot of speed. So, you know, you want to threaten the defense vertically. Even if you don't connect, you still want to have that threat there. And I feel like they were doing so much stuff with David Johnson that it kind of condensed the field and they forgot about, you know, just keeping the defense honest and at least attempting the, those shots over the top. And I think this this week we'll see them maybe open up a little bit more and try to attack the Ravens vertically. Even if they don't connect, just the threat to kind of loosen things up underneath, I think that'll be something that they would want to attack a little bit more. Now, I'm not sure. Do you guys know if, um, if Duke Johnson is playing? Because I know he got knocked out of last week's game. I'm not sure if he'll be in this week's. Yeah, that I haven't heard. I know um, the the overall kind of thought around it is 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 he's kind of more doubtful than anything. But I haven't heard, you know, definitively that he won't play. Okay. Yeah. So that I mean that's another thing because, like you said, Mike, they had a lot of those two back sets where they were lining the guys out in in the slot and just all over the field. So that's an element of their offense that'll be taken away if he doesn't play. And that'll play into the Ravens' favor because it's, you know, less of a matchup nightmare to have to deal with those two guys, you know, on the field at the same time because those we spoke about how talented Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb are. And, you know, not to take anything away from David Johnson or, or Duke Johnson, but, you know, those guys are – they're not as talented, but, you know, that's a special group too that has – you know, a very, very special skill set that a lot of running backs don't have. Yeah, yeah, that that is a very uh, unique skill set because both guys are, you know, I, I, I'd say, you know, plus type guys in the passing game. You know, they're, they're not just out there catching little check downs. Um, they can they can run routes, uh, you know, so um, 
you know, if you don't have both of those guys, then that definitely uh, is is a loss for them. And I'm I'm, I'm kind of looking now. I wanted to kind of check. So yeah, it looks like he he's got an ankle injury, a sprained ankle, um, and yeah, I think you're right, Kerry. Kind of this is weak. Week to week, even though um, I think Ian Rappaport said that he thinks it's a long shot to play against the Ravens. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But and, and um, I think, let me get I your think, thought. Uh, oh. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, about the, sorry about that, Mike. And, uh, yeah, I think and, uh, on, on the defensive side of things, I think their cornerbacks, that's, that's, you know, pretty much the weak point because their two starting guys are Vernon Hargraves and Bradley Roby. Bradley Roby's been playing well, but I mean, he's he's not a guy that you know strikes fear in you when you when you talk about stopping someone like Hollywood Brown. Um, so I, I think that their secondary is a little bit shoddy, and and it, it can be it can be had this this upcoming week, just similar to how we saw Lamar carve up the uh, the Browns secondary. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Uh, if if Lamar uh, can get some time or, or create his own time, <laughs> which he does, uh, there are certainly opportunities in that in that secondary uh, to take advantage of. So, uh, you know, the, those linebackers are going to have their hands full with, with Mark Andrews. And, and I actually like their their linebackers. I like McKinney. Um, let's see other guys. Cunningham. Cunningham. Yeah, is that kind yeah, of? Yeah, I actually. He just got paid. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, he did. <laughs> I usually like both of those guys. Uh, I think that they're 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 pretty solid all around linebackers. So, um, I think that that's an area where, you know, look, Mark Andrews is, is is a tough matchup for anybody, but that might be an area where they feel like they can match up a little bit better. But you're right, the corners that could that could be problematic for sure. Uh, Kerry, let me get your thoughts on the Texans. What what do you see uh, when you you look at them uh, and, and and the Ravens' prospects in that game? Yeah, I, I like the way the Ravens match up. Um, I never want to take a team that has a guy like Deshaun Watson too lightly. Um, he's a guy that we've seen time and time again. Um, you know, make plays, pull them out of tough situations and probably save Bill O'Brien's job a, a couple different times. So, you know, I, yes, absolutely. So I, I never want to take a guy like that lightly. Um, looking at them in game one, uh, I know a lot has been made about uh, Deshaun Watson's playing style. Um, you know, he has a tendency to kind of to look to make plays. Um it seems like that that first game they kind of neutered that a bit. Um, they wanted to get the ball out of his hands quick, and that seemed to be a kind of running theme and focus. And um, I think that's good, um, you know, to kind of have that balance and 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 do those sort of th- things. But I think um, you know you can only do that to a certain extent, and especially when you get rid of a Nuke Hopkins and you bring in a another burner like, um, you know, Brandon Cooks to add to Will Fuller. Um, I was surprised we didn't see any vertical shots. I'm surprised we didn't see any uh, any of those deep crossers and some of those things that they try to get those guys, um, you know, free releases and get them running, um, you know, running free um, in the intermediate and deep uh, areas of the field. So I think when they go back and look at the, the tape, They'll see, um, 
you know, some opportunities to kind of do that. So I would expect um, for more shots to be taken in this game. Um, another thing I'll, I'll be looking at from the Ravens um, side of things is is how they um, um, go about blocking J.J. Watt. Um, uh, I think you pointed it out, um, Mike. You know, he's he's not the game record he was you know, five years ago, you know, or, you know, however long ago it was when he was, you know, winning back-to-back defensive player of the year uh, awards, but he's still a very disruptive force that you have to account for. So I, I think he's a guy that, you know, as this offensive line is kind of building up their continuity, uh, it's going to be important for them to, you know, get an extra set of eyes on him, uh, you know, chip him. Um, similar to what they did, uh, Miles Garrett with uh, with Nick Boyle, you know, make him see some things. I think Mike, you pointed out um, a play um, where they uh, they sent Ricard in motion and Ricard kind of held him up, and then somebody else got a shot on him. Uh, you know, just to uh, do those same type of things with Watt and make him, you know, do more re- um, do more kind of thinking than reacting um, out there on the field. Um, uh, shout out to uh, Spencer Schultz on uh, Twitter. I think he's uh, Raven Ravens for Dummies is his handle. Um, he pointed out some plays with Garrett as well that the Ravens were able to kind of, you know, muddy the waters for him a bit. So, you know, that's going to be uh, something else I'll be looking, um, looking at closely. Uh, but other than that, um, you know, I, I think this is a game that, that sets up really well um, for the Ravens uh, as long as they come out and kind of, um, you know, do what they've been doing and, 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 you know, don't, um, you know, fall into a hole of, um, getting sloppy or complacent or, you know, putting the ball on the turf and, you know, those kind of things that can kind of, uh, let a lesser team kind of hang in the game, especially on a row, you know, if they come out, take care of the football and, um, you know, get the running game back going, uh, I, I think they should have, a, a a pretty good deal of success in this game. Yeah, that that's a, a really good point about the about the the, the sloppiness or the turnovers because we we've seen when 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 they're not kind of hitting on all cylinders from from a, an execution sort of a consistency of execution standpoint, and you know they 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 turn the ball over a time or two, um, it really forces them into. Uh, a, a style of play that that's not their preferred style of play. Right. I, I don't, I've never, I've never bought into this idea that Lamar can't play from behind. He can't come from behind. Um, you know, never even going back to 2018 when, you know, he, he was still really kind of developing as a passer. It was his first year, but um, I've never really bought into that. I mean, I think we saw in, in the Titans game, I mean, they, they didn't, they didn't come out on the winning end of it, but if he's got a drop back and pass, uh, you know, he can do that. I mean, I, I want to say he threw for over 300 yards in that game. So if he needs to do that, he can do that. But I just think that they want to play a certain kind of way. All teams do. All offenses do. And for them, they want to run the ball, right? Because that opens up so many other things for them. So, you know, it, it's it's not just about, well, you know, you don't want to get behind because it, it, it forces you to be one dimensional. That That's 100 percent true and, and, and obvious. But it, it really also um, prevents you from kind of imposing 
your will. And that's that's really what they want to do. And Greg Roman talked a couple of years ago at a press conference about wanting to get medieval on people. That that's what he that's what he means. Right? They they want to impose their will on people. Uh, and so if they can stay on schedule, take care of the ball, um, then then I think that they should be able to do that. But you certainly don't want to take this Texans team lightly. I know I've trying to to get myself out of that mental trap. I've gone back and watched that 2019 game and I'm like, oh, this team ain't got a chance. But, <laughs> you know, that was just a bad day. That was just a bad day for that Texans offense, uh, particularly their offensive line. Um but, you know, that was that was one game and it was last year. So you got to you got to kind of take that for what it was and say, hey, this is a new game, new year. And um, you don't want to take this team lightly at all. Or, you know, that's 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 how you get bit. Um, so it ought to be fun. Um, should be some 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 fantasy goodness in there. And I think that's a good segue uh, into some fantasy talk that we want to get into. And this is this is where I kind of try to take a back seat. Uh, anybody who listens to the show probably knows I like to talk a lot, so it's going to be hard for me, but uh, it shouldn't be that hard because I don't really know what I'm talking about when it comes to fantasy. I probably don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to any any football, but uh, certainly don't when it comes to fantasy football. And so I'm going to, you know, I may have a comment here, here or there, but Carrie and Chris are really the guys that I look to for fantasy information and, and, and fantasy content. So, um, Carrie, I'm going to allow you to drive this car. I'm, I'm moving from behind the steering wheel and uh, giving you the keys, and you, you, you take us wherever you want to go. Okay. Well, I got some uh, kind of quicker bullet points. Um, I, I've, you know, kind of surfed around and watched some games and, you know, was able to kind of pull some things from some of these games. And I think um, they'll be helpful to people kind of going forward. I think it's important to um, not just look at the game at the end and look at the box score and, you know, make those um, conclusions based off of what you see It's important to look at the game and it's totality. Look at the game early, see if you can find some trends and, you know, opportunities going forward. And, you know, maybe it's a situation where somebody didn't uh, turn their um, opportunity into fantasy points, but that doesn't mean that it won't turn, um, you know, in a positive direction going forward. Uh, So just a few things I saw in week one, um, starting with Atlanta, uh, Gurley looks to be locked in on uh, feature back usage. Um, Brian Hill got in and, and got him some snaps and got him some work, but, uh, but Gurley, they, they seem to be, um, kind of keyed in on getting him his touches, um, you know, in a run game and, uh, you know, also picked up a few targets. So that was good to see early on and get that kind of clarity because we didn't have a preseason, you know, obviously, uh, Green Bay, um, somebody I'm, um, looking at and, you know, I'm looking at the, the running backs in the passing game. Uh, they really just don't have reliable weapons in in um, in the receiving core outside of um, uh, Devontae Adams. Uh, they have uh, Alan Lazar, who they like, but he's more of a low volume guy. I mean, he's efficient, but more low volume. Uh, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling um, is a height, weight, speed guy that has kind of you know jumped into the 
driver's seat in that wide receiver three, and he got a long touchdown, but uh, also left some plays on the field. Um, so um, I think you're going to see a lot of throwing to the running backs in this offense. Uh, they, uh, in the first half alone, both running backs had four targets apiece, and that's kind of been a staple of, um, you know, that offense, um, you know, going back to um, their uh, their coach's uh, history with uh, Sean McVay and, you know, some of the things he he's done in prior seasons. So that's something to watch. But uh, but also is it's um, important to watch uh, Jamal Williams because he seems to be a guy that they trust. And, you know, he's kind of put uh, A.J. Dillon on the back burner there. Uh, so, you know, he's a guy that you might be able to um, steal some useful weeks out of, you know, here and there as a you know, low end flex if you get into trouble on a bye week or. You know, if Aaron Jones were ever to go down, you know, he's a guy that you make and plug in and and, uh, you know, get some production from. So that's something to watch um, in Miami. Miles Gaskin kind of um, muddied the waters of the Dolphins backfield. Um, he had 20 first half snaps compared to I think like 13 combined for Jordan Howard and um, uh, Matt Breida. Uh, I think Howard went down with an injury. So that kind of affects that. But. Uh, that'll be something to watch going forward and um, probably a situation you want to kind of avoid for the most part. But it is it is important to, to keep your eyes on those situations and just don't totally knock it off your radar, uh, you know, because it may be something you may be able to go back to at some point um, in Washington. Looking at their backfield, uh, Antonio Gibson um, is uh, looks like a little bit of a ways away from being that, that feature guy, but. That's something to watch closely because, you know, Peyton Barber is a is a guy that, you know, teams seem to trust, um, but he just really doesn't move the needle as a as a runner. So um, before too long, I would think Antonio Gibson will take a bigger slice of that pie. But, um, you know, you may just have to wait a few weeks on that. Um, Carolina, I'm watching them and uh, Teddy Bridgewater is a guy that kind of built some steam uh, later on in the process. And uh, he had like four first half uh, scrambles and he's not a guy he's mobile, but he's not a guy I really looked at as a runner. Um, so it was kind of good to see that um, he really didn't do um, much running in the, in the second half of the game, but it's something that bears watching. If you can get some rushing value out of him, uh, he makes a nice play again in a bye week situation or, you know, in a, um, a DFS situation. If you want to try to go uh, with a, um, you know, cheap quarterback, he may be an option. Um, looking at the Rams, uh, that seems to be kind of a full blown committee. Um, but Cam Akers is the guy you might have to wait on. Um, looking at that broadcast, Chris Collinsworth said early on that the Rams trusted Malcolm Brown on third down and in the red zone. So, that's that's huge as far as fantasy production. Um, those two, um, you know, facets of the game. So, if, you know, if he's drawing the most trust there, he's going to be a guy that, um, you know, it's probably going to be a, a, a bit of a wait for you with Cam Makers to kind of um, break his way into that lead back role. So Malcolm Brown will be a guy that um, you will be able to play. And then uh, the last one I had was, with Detroit, um, you know, they, they seem to really hate carry on Johnson. Um, <laughs> you know, 
Adrian um, Peterson came in, you know, basically off, off the street and uh, took a lead role as far as the, the, the running back carries go. But what I took away from that game is um, DeAndre Swift played 25 of the 34 uh, pass plays in that game for Detroit. So as a rookie in his first game, he's pretty much locked in as they're passing down back, uh, which could have some value. And, um, you know, that'll be something to monitor um, going forward as well to see if, you know, maybe he can cut into that rushing share. So, you know, that'll be something to kind of uh, watch going forward. So those were just a few, you know, my bullet point kind of uh, uh, takeaways from uh, week one. Tough, tough drop for DeAndre Swift at the end oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. of that game. But you got to You got to like the opportunity that you mentioned that he's getting. Uh, in, in the passing game. I mean, you know, results, they're going to vary, you know, um, but the fact that he's getting that kind of burn in the passing game uh, is, is, is a good sign. And yeah, the carry on thing, man, I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Free, free carry on. I was ready to print the shirts this year. <laughs> then they draft DeAndre Swift, they sign AP and uh, I, I need to, to cancel that order. Um <laughs> Before before they started printing, watching that game, so it it was it was pretty clear that Adrian Peterson was the most explosive guy running the ball. Yeah, he and did. He, he looked really good running the ball. He brought the yeah. clock back because he was just the way he was moving. It was it was at a, a different frequency from when you when you saw them hand the ball up to to carry on or to DeAndre Swift. You could see the the difference in in movement and. And it was just, it, it was, I don't know, it, it was fun to see uh, Adrian Peterson running with the fresh legs and, and, you know, looking like the younger guy than the 22 and 23-year-olds. And, you know, he's out there 35 and, and, and running over people like he's 20, 25. That's, that's that, um, that, that, Larry Ger- uh, that Larry Fitzgerald syndrome, right, when those first couple of games of the season. Uh, that's what that's when Larry does that work, you know, in, in fantasy. And then you get towards the end of the season and that age start catching up with you. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the point, the, the fantasy points per game starts to decline. A little bit. So if you're going to if you're going to run with the with the older dudes, this is that week weeks one through four. I guess those first four games of the season is probably uh, the, the times to do it. Chris, did you did you have uh, any anything you you wanted to comment on with any of those those plays that Kerry mentioned, or, or or share some 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 of your own plot your own thoughts or plays? Um, yeah, something that that uh, just came to my mind was um, the you know every year we 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 go through these these guys during in the draft that you know we some we like some we love some we don't really like and uh, for me last year one of those guys was Benny Snell. And uh, he was just a guy that I did not like. I thought he didn't have the juice to to cut it in in the the National Football League. I thought he might just be, you know, a short yardage guy, and that's it. But Monday night against the Giants, you know, we we saw reports from training camp saying that he slimmed down. He changed his body, and he was looking faster and, and quicker. And we saw that on Monday night. You know, usually when you see those reports, you kind of have to take them with a grain of salt because... You usually see everybody comes in in better shape, but it was you could see it on the screen where he looked faster. And there was one play in particular where he had to 
it was a, a, a toss play, and he had to get to the outside. Now, last year, he doesn't make it there at all. But this year, he hit that corner, and he was able to get around the defender. And I, to me, that was just something that, that jumped out a lot. And with a lot of people who were very high on James Conner, um, myself included, I was one of those people. It's shocking. Benny, <laughs> <laughs> Benny, Benny Snell put people on notice because he looked really good, and that was even before James Conner's injury. So that that's something to keep an eye on going forward. Of he might not take, you know, take uh, control of the whole backfield, but with the way he played, it's kind of hard to put that Benny Snell back in the bottle once you've seen how how good he looked against the Giants. Yeah, the uh, the the reports about him coming in the training camp in good shape, slim, you know, in, in really good shape, slim down. Uh, they do not seem to be overstated. He did look lighter on his feet. He looked quicker. Um, so I, I was impressed because like you, I remember even watching that Kentucky and I'm like, well, this dude's just a, he's a he's a mutter. You know, yeah, he's a, he's a plotting type type dude. And, uh, you know, we got a chance to see him a couple of times last year in the Steelers game. Uh, he actually played quite a bit in that that, mm-hmm. that last game against the Ravens of the season. And even in that game, I'm thinking, you know, and, and he had a couple, he, he had a, maybe a couple runs in that, in that game. I remember where, um, you know, he, he was able to break a tackle or two and, and get some extra yards. So you could see there was a little something there and you, you know, you could almost say like, man, if this guy was just a little bit quicker, if his feet, you know, just a little bit lighter, you know, there, there might be a little bit more to this there than meets the eye. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe that's going to be the case. It certainly looked that way against the Giants. And then we've seen this before with Steeler backs, because if you remember how Le'Veon Bell came oh, in, he was way bigger. But I mean, I, I'm not making that comparison. I knew directly. you were going to go there. I knew it. But <laughs> but we have seen a Steeler, a Steeler running back change their whole body and come back and look like a whole new player almost. You so heard I'm it just, here first. Just putting it folks. out there. No, no, no. You heard no, it here, folks. At, at Chris, <laughs> just joking on Twitter. Benny <laughs> Snail will be the next Le'Veon. You heard it here first. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get you your credit, man. So when he blows up like that, people are like, man, nobody saw this coming. No, no, yes, they did. They did see it coming, and it was Chris. <laughs> Listen, I'm not putting out there. You guys could hit up Mike about that. I'm not putting that out there. <laughs> Take. I'll I'll field all your your Browns related <laughs> questions. You can you can send those my way. <laughs> Steelers, that is that is the domain of Chris and Kerry. All, all Steelers <laughs> related questions. Um, yeah, but no, now all all you know all jokes aside, I, I, we're we're certainly not you know gonna put that on on the young man. <laughs> he, he's just he's just trying to be the best version of him you know that he can be, and, and they look pretty good. Uh, it did against the Giants, so you know, good on him and, and our guy Deontay Johnson in that game. Not not the greatest game for him, but the opportunity was there. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I want to say he had ten targets maybe um, in, yep. in that game. So um, you know, had 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 a, a couple of things, a muff punt, and you know, some other things that didn't you know quite go his way. But uh, if he's if he's going to get that kind of that kind of target share, uh, I, I'm not. I'm not feeling any less confident uh, about, you know, his, his prospects. So uh, I, I'm actually for, for DFS purposes, I, I hope people are down uh, after, after that game, you know, maybe, 
maybe I can I can get him at a at a, at a low ownership you know sort of situation. So uh, that's my only contribution to to the fantasy uh, content here. I, I pretty much exclusively uh, play DFS. Uh, I'm in a couple of standard leagues. I'm in a, a couple. Uh, I'm in a league with uh, Carrie and Chris, and they can they can tell you that I'm already operating it like a DFS roster making multiple <laughs> roster moves after the first week. <laughs> Basically trying to turn over my whole roster after the first week. And I'll probably do it every week. So, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be fun for whoever plays me in that league each week. But Carrie, let me, let me flip it back over to you now. So you kind of ran down, uh, you spun us around the fantasy landscape in the league. Um, did you have anything, uh, you know, maybe specific, uh, not specific players, because you gave us some of that, but maybe some some thoughts about just, you know, fantasy sort of approach, fantasy sort of philosophy, um, you know, because I think, you know, how, how people approach some of this stuff is, is there's certainly plenty of people out there in the fantasy space talking about theory, right, in, in a lot of different ways, but I almost think that that's a part that you almost can't talk enough about um, because the plays are out there and there's so much information around the players and who's a good play and why and who's not a good play and why. So, you know, those opinions are out there. But I think the theory stuff um, is still an area where there's there's a lot of opportunity to kind of shed some light on things. I know for me, like game selection in DFS is still big for me. Like I'm just scratching the surface on yeah. you know yeah. finding some edges in game selection so um any 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 thoughts you have on any of that yeah i think um well first i did have one other guy i wanted to hit on um josh allen i'm gonna be looking really closely at buffalo uh, schematically next week to see where they are um in week one, they they ran a lot of spread, a lot of three, four wide receivers uh, sets, you know, to try to spread the defense out. Josh Allen had like 14 rushing attempts. Um, and so this could be and, and actually it's probably more likely that this was uh, team specific. The Jets have a really good run defense. We know um, um the D, the D defensive coordinator that his name escapes me at the time uh, right now, but um he's an aggressive coach. Greg so, Williams. Greg Williams. Yep. Yep. There we go. <laughs> so I think that that game plan of kind of spreading it out, uh, you know, not necessarily um, wanting to run into the teeth of that run defense, and and some of those things are kind of specific to this week. Um, but next week, if we see a lot of these same things, it could mean huge games, uh, potential games for uh, Josh Allen, because a game plan like that, he's pretty much the, the the almost the sole beneficiary of it from a fantasy standpoint. If he's going to be that involved in a run game um, and, you know, in a spread offense where he's hitting and spreading out to different, um, you know, targets. Now it's, it's not going to look pretty, you know, it's not going to always be efficient. He's going to roll out and throw the ball to Toronto at times, but <laughs> from a counting stat fantasy standpoint, 
he could be fantasy gold for you. So that would be one thing that I would say, just, just kind of keep your eye on. There was, there was a little bit of scare, a little bit of pause from me because it was sounding like, uh, you know, there was an opportunity for him to run less this year. And, you know, that obviously would kind of, you know, hurt his stock as a fantasy quarterback, but you know, that's a good group of receivers they have there. And obviously he has the athleticism to make plays, you know, on the ground. So that, that game is going to be something I'm going to be zeroed in and I'm going to be monitoring, you know, the personnel groupings in in that game and, and kind of seeing how um, they want to attack things and and see if this was just a one week blip or if this is a sign of uh, uh, things to come. And then as far as just big picture theory, uh, schematic wise, um, one thing I think is really important for people, and I try to take this approach when I'm drafting and just uh, in general going throughout the season, um, we're going to be wrong. There's no way around that. You know, we can come in with the game plan. We can come in with all the players that we uh, liked and, you know, we've done all this study and we touted these guys and, and, you know, we've done all these things. And then in a matter of a week, they could get hurt you know, circumstances change, all of that, and they can totally flip things upside down from what you expected. So to me, it's important to get insurance and get insurance on your insurance. (laughs) You know, I I try to build deep teams and I try not to put all my eggs into one basket. And I do that because um, I want to be ready to pivot when I need to pivot. You know, I don't want to overreact, but if I need to get off of a guy quickly, I want to have the roster that can withstand that. Um, You know, we were just talking about Benny Snell um, and how good he looked compared to uh, James Conner. And then uh, James Conner got hurt in the game. And then, you know, before he got hurt, uh, you know, he didn't look as impressive as you would like to see. So that's a situation where um, he's practicing this week. So it looks like he's on track to play, but that's probably a bit of a risky play this week. So I, I I have him in a lot of leagues and I, I'm probably going to sit him um, in those leagues and kind of just wait it out. But because I draft the way I draft, I, I kind of have some depth to where I can I can go with another guy and feel comfortable with that. So I, I think that's a big thing is people need to uh, not get so wrapped up in, you know, the handful of guys that they feel really highly about. And, um, you know, not put the time into their bench and, you know, build in um, outs, you know, build in outs for yourself. You know, some, you know, sometimes everything looks right from a process standpoint and then all that goes out of the window when they kick the ball off. So I I think that's one thing to to really keep in mind is just, like I say, get insurance on your insurance. No, that is that is really good advice because uh, I I probably don't have enough insurance and I don't have any insurance on my insurance. <laughs> so <laughs> that that sounds like a very bad uh, situation <laughs> to be in. Uh, but you know what? Again, like I said, because I'm always turning over my roster. Hey, I can go out there and get me some insurance and some insurance for my insurance. So, uh, and, and as Chris knows, I like to wheel and deal from a, from a trade perspective too. So I can. I can I can get there. Um, That's gonna, right. Gonna, Zach, gonna t- Zach Moss, baby. Hey, 
gonna you know look you you had that draft crushed and it just felt wrong for him not to be on your team so <laughs> we, had, we had we had to find a way to to make that happen uh, and I'm glad that we could um, I'm thankful for it <laughs> well like I said you know one day I'm gonna come to you for a favor so <laughs> so just 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 keep that in mind um but no I, I think that's a really interesting um point too about not not getting you know, like completely locked in um, on on guys because, you know, it's that sunk cost kind of thing, right? Where you're like, well, uh, I, I really like this guy uh, for whatever reason. Maybe it was a situation. Maybe it's it's opportunity that you were projecting. And then it doesn't pan out that way. Like you said, once the ball gets kicked off, but then it's like we can't we can't let go because it's like hey, well, we've already sunk all of this investment, emotional mental, you know, research, whatever into it. And we just can't move away from it. Um, but you know, there's, there's no, that that's just not optimal, right. To, to do that. I mean, you, the, the, the more quickly you can realize and pivot from something that was what, you know, you thought it was and it's not, then, um, you know, the better you're probably going to be. Uh, but we do it. We all do it. We all fall into that trap of, I'm just going to kind of hang on. I mean, look, I've been hanging on Rashad Perriman. I, I still haven't let go. <laughs> I, I still have the the faith and the belief that he is going to become uh, a quality, quality wide receiver, uh, not just a guy who, you know, has some blip games here or there. So that certainly looks wrong at this point. <laughs> and it has looked wrong for for a little while now. And I'm still into it, though. Right. Why, why, don't, why wouldn't I just like say, hey, you know, it's probably just trying to move on. It's probably just time to move on to somebody else. So we all do it. I'm certainly guilty of it. But don't do it in fantasy. Take care of his advice. Get insurance for your insurance. And when it's time to make that pivot, pivot, you know, yeah. don't 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 stay locked in. And the, th- and the thing about that, Mike, is when you operate with that approach. You'll find later round guys that will. Um, you know, kind of cover you in that sense, because, you know, if I, and I say, and I like to kind of references, uh, reference it as, um, you know, operating with paranoia. So, you know, once I'm, you know, six, seven rounds in, and, you know, maybe I have three running backs and, you know, maybe I have a good stable of running backs. I'm still paranoid. You know, I'm mm. still trying to do that work. I'm still trying to um, put a stable together that will be able to withstand injury, bad luck, or just me just flat out being wrong. Mm. So if you operate with that approach, um, you know, if a guy like, like you know, for instance, Connor, if a guy like Connor, um, you draft him and say you have to pivot very early, you know, say he gets hurt again, hurt again, or, you know, Snell just kind of makes it a timeshare or whatever the case may be. You know, if you drafted a, a, a Zach Moss in the eighth or ninth round, you know, that's an easy pivot because he's a guy that he looks like he's kind of locked in uh, the red zone um, role for them. Um, and he's a guy that they're going to, you know, trust on the goal line and if he cuts into those goal line carries for that uh, Josh Allen is getting, you know, well, that's kind of yet to be determined, but we'll see. Um, he's a guy that you can probably play every week. So, you know, 
operating with that paranoia, you know, just just never being comfortable with um, the roster you put together at the top can can make a um, um, a huge difference. Because, I mean, fantasy season is a long season. A lot of things change and, uh, you know, sometimes it can change very quickly from week to week. What you thought was going to be um, great for you may turn out to be horrible for you in a matter of two weeks. So, you know, it's important to, um, you know, uh, again, get that insurance on your insurance. And that that's something that I wish that I would have heard you say before our draft, uh, <laughs> because uh, I, I got to admit uh, and, and maybe I'm, I'm the only one. Who, who does this because I, I don't I don't take it seriously enough. But I got to those later rounds and I didn't have a strategic plan like that. I was literally just picking guys that I liked. <laughs> I was like, well, I like this guy and I like that guy. Um, and, and I'm not necessarily saying there's anything wrong with taking guys that you like. I mean, it's 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 fantasy. It's a game. It's, it's, it's supposed to be fun. And, and if part of the fun for you is building a team with players you like, then you buy, hey, by all means, go at it. But if you're also trying to, to be competitive and, and win as you're having fun, then it's probably a good idea to have a plan, you know, um, in, in addition to, because, I mean, you can you can have a plan and still get guys you like. But I was literally just like, well, I don't I don't know. I guess I got enough running backs. I guess I got enough wide receivers. I'm just going to start picking, picking dudes that – uh, I liked in the draft or, you know, maybe they're going into their second or third year and I liked them a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, you look at you can look at my roster and you can see where they got. Me. So, <laughs> so listen, listen, listen to this advice, uh, people. And I know we're already into the season. So, you know, we're not we're not doing standard league drafts anymore. But, um, you know, just just, you know, file this away from you know, for the next time uh, that, that you have to do a draft. And I think it can it can work maybe even in, in almost any format where, you know, you 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 want to have a plan. Um, I'm actually now that you said it, I'm actually kind of spinning it in my head trying to see how I might be able to apply it to DFS, um, you know, in terms of how I put together lineups there. So um, I'm always looking for ways to apply things that maybe on on it on the on its face like when you initially hear it you don't think it, it fits in that arena but a lot of times things do um this this is this is how how you know my mind works um you guys know i go out in the morning for these walks um a couple times a week so i'm out there walking if i'm not listening to a podcast or audiobook i'm just thinking about stuff and so um the other day when i was doing it i was thinking about um uh, fantasy projections, fantasy football projections. And like, you know, I project in different things, you know, different kinds of opportunity with targets or touches or whatever. And I'm thinking about weather forecasts and I'm like, well, how do they predict the weather? How do they predict the temperature? How do they know what the temperature is going to be tomorrow? So I start reading this stuff on how meteorologists predict it. I'm like, hey, maybe I can use some of this to project stuff in the <laughs> that's just how my my mind works i'm just like well look you you gotta see it's different obviously but they use tools right whether it's uh you know thermometers or barometric pressure or wind direction they're just tools right and so we use stuff in fantasy that are tools whether it's routes run uh, carries snaps 
they're tools. And they use those tools in different ways to come up with different kinds of forecasts. So maybe I can use some of these tools that everybody is using. Everybody uses the same tools out there in fantasy to try to project opportunity and stuff. But maybe I can use them in a different way. So that's how my mind works. It's a, it's a glimpse. I wanted to give the listeners a glimpse into this this very strange place <laughs> that is the inside <laughs> of my head and how, how things how things are bouncing around in there. Uh, but but Chris, anything from you uh, on on you know the fantasy standpoint? It could be about more specific plays, or it could be more you know sort of theory based or approach based. Um, so I would say, like for for me, it all it all starts, you know, with the, the team that you draft, and um, when you, I feel like too many people go in with a plan on, I'm gonna take, you know, running back, running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, you know, like they they're too many people are too stuck on the strategy of it instead of just playing the draft and seeing how it goes because every draft is an organism when you think about it because no you could have two drafts on the same night and they're going to be completely different so each draft is you know something within itself so you have to just play that draft and and go based on what's happening in that draft i I feel like when you lock into a, a specific strategy you kind of you know, you kind of mess yourself up just a little bit in, in thinking that way and being so stuck in, in that because, like I said, you don't know how a draft is going to go. Um, there was a draft, my last draft that I had um, last week, I had the eighth pick, and I'm like, all right, I'm probably going to have to go wide receiver. Alvin Kamara ended up dropping to the eighth pick, so it switched up everything that I had, you know, the, that I thought I would have to do. But if you know if you're too stuck on your on in your ways you could miss out on great players and uh, another thing that I do in drafts is I'm, I don't get caught up in positions so what I mean by that is I just take the best player you know it's kind of like what we see the Ravens do is when they drafted JK Dobbins they didn't really need him but at that time he was the best player on their board and you know I kind of I feel like in fantasy, when I do that, those are my best teams just from playing fantasy over the years. When I take the best player available, if I need a running back, all right, screw it. I'm going to take DJ Chark because DJ Chark is a better player than these running backs that are coming up. So I think just doing that and then just worrying about it later because they're going to be guys on the waiver wire that you can improve your team with. So just go for these shore guys that you know of. Like, like if you believe that Cortland Sutton and, you know, if you can have Cortland Sutton and DJ Chark as your flex guys, you know you're set at flex. You just have to find those diamond in the roughs when it comes to the running back position. And just week one, we already see guys like, you know, Malcolm Brown emerging. We see Adrian Peterson as a guy who could be serviceable maybe at the beginning of the year, who knows for how long. You know, Benny Snell, maybe he could take over the job. You never know. Then every year we see those kind of things where these guys come out of nowhere. So I think just, it sounds simple, but just taking the best guys and not really worrying about position and filling in 
you know, I need X amount of RBs during this time. I feel like that's just a, a recipe for, you know, to it, it's sort of a recipe to, to fail in some ways because, like Kerry said, guys get hurt and you need an insurance plan. So just take the best guys and don't even look at the, the position. I like that. That I'm, I'm going to have to steal that from you. Every draft is an organism. I like that. <laughs> that that mesh, it meshes really well with the way I think about things. So, uh, but it makes a ton of sense though uh, to to not. It, it, it's like you're taking a test. You know, you you go into it thinking, all right, here's here's what I'm gonna do uh, during the test. When I see this question, I'm gonna answer it this way. When I, I expect to see this, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do that. When, you know, that can that can block you from seeing other opportunities that are unfolding right in front of you because it wasn't part of your plan going in, you miss it or, or don't know how to react to it when it happens. Cause you, you, you had this plan and now there's something new, there's something new happening and you're like, well, what, what, what do I, what do I do now? This is not part of my plan. Right. Um, and, and you can, you can definitely miss out on some things there. Cause you know, you, you see that clock ticking and you're like, oh, well, what am I supposed to do? Um, I didn't think about this. I, I didn't. I didn't have a plan for that. But yeah, I, I don't. I don't think you can go wrong with that approach, like you said, of just just taking the ble- the, the best players that are available um, when you pick. I mean, these are guys that, uh, if you believe these are guys who are gonna who are gonna score fantasy points, then, like you said, even if you're like, well, I just took a wide receiver in the previous round. Well, let's say there's another really good one available when you pick, and you're going into it like you said, thinking, ah, I need to get a running back now. But what if there aren't any ones that that are as as good at that at that spot? You're just gonna ignore the wide receiver just to get a running back? It just it just, it just kind of doesn't make sense. So yeah, and I think another thing too, when like you said, um, when there's time on, you know, you see the clock ticking, and I think when people see the clock ticking and they, you know, it's going down, that's kind of when people make their worst decisions in fantasy for the most part. And I think something to help with that is. You just you do a bunch of mock drafts and you go round by round on usually how things are falling. And like I said, every every draft is an organism, so it'll be different. But you'll have an idea of all right, the sixth round I like, you know, these players, and you have you have it listed out. So when you're on the clock in the sixth round, you already know you already have an idea of the guys that'll be there. So it's just going by your list. It's like okay, so I'm on the clock. All right, I see there are still three guys left on my list, and I'm two picks away. So if those two guys, there's two guys on your list of three get picked, you already know who you're picking on the clock. So yeah. I, I think it, it it just helps you to be prepared like that prior to it, and and there aren't any surprises because those surprises those will those will sink your fantasy teams, and and you end up hating yourself <laughs> at the end of your draft. <laughs> Uh, yes yes you will uh i can attest to that um well before we we wrap this episode up uh i guess i'll i'll throw in my little piece for the dfs players out there um i'm not going to get into specific plays because trust me you don't want to uh take any advice from me on that but i mentioned the game selection thing earlier um, and, and so as, as a relatively new player, I mean, I've only been playing for maybe, maybe five years or so, uh, five or six years. Um, 
that's not something that I really paid a lot of attention to early on, especially like some of the technical aspects of it, like the rate, like how much how much DraftKings and how much FanDuel was taken off the top from these contests. Um, so, you know, that that's something that, that you can take a look at. Um, and I wish I could I could say it here uh, now because uh, I had created a little formula for myself for how to figure out how much rake was in each contest and which ones had had less and which ones had more. So um, because I don't have that, I won't say it. But maybe that's something on a, on a future episode. If I can dig it up, one of these old spreadsheets I have, I, I can I can share that. But just more more generally about game selection, you know, if you're a newer player, um, there are other games other than the things that are featured in the lobby. I, I would actually advise you to probably stay away from the featured games that show up in the lobby uh, because typically those have big fields. Typically, they're multi-entry, um, and we're talking like multi-multi, not not like three max entry. We're, we're talking about 100 or maybe 250 max entry, and oftentimes, you know, you, you, there, there's going to be some DFS pros out there in those fields, and they're doing mass multi-entry. I mean, these guys basically have uh, optimizers or algorithms that are generating lineups for them, and, you know, just so they can, they can bang out 250 of them or whatever. You're, that's just that's just a numbers game, and you're not going to be able to beat that because you're not going to be able to manually make that. Look, there's always some luck involved, and, and maybe you just hit the the, the stone nuts uh, lineup and, and you win. But uh, you know you're playing the percentages, and, and they're really not in your favor. So I I would advise to probably not not play those in the featured lobby. And if you're a newer player, um, sometimes I think FanDuel does this. They have certain games that uh, only beginning players can enter, right? It, it looks at how long uh, you've been on FanDuel and how many contests you've played, and they've got some kind of formula for determining whether you're eligible for those contests or not. And so, you know, if you're really new, I think those are a good place to start because you're in there with other beginning players, and you're not out there in, in the deep water with the Sharks, uh, who were just looking for fish <laughs> to well, eat I'm, up. I'm glad, I'm glad you said that because I'm last year was my first time playing DFS with you guys. That was my first year. So what you just said, I had no clue people were doing that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad you said that because I, I had no clue at all that I was being bamboozled. <laughs> well, uh, there, there's, there's a really, uh, interesting book maybe i'll put it in the show notes um on dfs where it was a guy who was uh, a journalist by trade and i forget how he he got into dfs or how he learned about dfs I mean, maybe he just played fantasy uh on on the side i think that's what it was i think you know just in his spare time he played fantasy and i think he was a baseball writer or got into covering baseball or something like that around the time that DFS really kind of started to emerge. And that came up and he's like, hey, here's a new way to play fantasy. It looks pretty cool. You know, you can, you can you get new lineups every week. And he thought because he was covering baseball that, you know, hey, I'm going to make a killing. And who would know more about this than, than me? And he kind of quickly learned that he wasn't doing very well, even with all of his like baseball knowledge. So it kind of set him on this path to try to learn you know, how, how do these, these DFS players, top level DFS players, how they do it. 
And he basically tried to become a top level DFS player in a year. And he ended up uh, developing relationships with some of the top guys. Now, this is from years ago. So some of these these guys that he talks about in his book, um, some of them are still around. But but some of the guys who were the top guys back back then are not not really at the top anymore. Um, but he, he, you know, developed relationships with one of these guys. One of them even kind of took him under his wing and kind of showed him what he did. And he the, he was he was a big mass multi-entry guy. And the, the, the player actually knew very little about the sport itself, like whether it was hockey or basketball or football, or whatever. He knew very little about sports in general, <laughs> but he knew a lot about math. And he understood that at a certain point, it just becomes a numerical advantage, right? If you can enter that many lineups and find different ways to distinguish them and create uh, different uh, di- different amounts of opportunity in each one of those lineups uh, by using an optimizer. This was even before optimizer, so he was making like his own algorithms, um, but it was doing the same thing basically that an optimizer does. And so it just became, you know, if, if you're a guy like me who sees that thing is like, oh, let me go ahead and throw five or ten dollars in this and enter one lineup. Well, he's entered two hundred and fifty of them, uh, or whatever the max is for that particular contest. I, I got no chance against that guy. Um, so that was just one thing, uh, that I learned from that, but it's a good book, but I'll, I'll look up, I'll look it up and, and try to get it in the show notes. But, um, so, so there's those, those beginner games are an option, or if you've been doing it for a little bit longer and, and maybe you can't qualify for those beginner games. Um, if you're looking at GPPs, if you're looking, you know, with, with your tournaments, um, I tend to look at the single entry type of tournaments where you can only enter one lineup, you know, so you right there, you know, that you don't have to worry about that 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 mass multi-entry kind of thing and typically you can find some smaller fields too in those single entry tournaments so maybe instead of going up against a couple thousand people maybe you're going up against a couple hundred people or in some cases um some of those fields are even a hundred or less so you know maybe uh you're gonna have a better chance right of, of of cashing because you don't have to beat as many people um and then, you know, another thing you can look at is double ups or multipliers, you know, where, where it might be a five dollar buy in and then say, you know, the top five people to be some some of the, you know, the who cashes is dependent on the size of the tournament. But let's say it's like a 50 person double up and the top five uh, cash. So if you, you know, uh, put in five dollars, um, you double your money, maybe the payout for that top five is twenty five dollars per person. So you end up doubling your money and the multipliers, you know, that just varies. Sometimes it can be a three X, a five X, a 10 X. Um, so, you know, it just varies on what the individual multiplier contest is. But again, you can even find single entries in, in, in there. So I, I think there are other games that you can select to give yourself maybe some some more variance in terms of, of your odds other than just those ones that show up on the front page, uh, you know, when you when you log in or when you pull it up on your phone and just playing different slates, too. You know, most of the time people want to play the main slate, the main set of games that start on Sunday. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, there's there's Thursday slates. There's Thursday, Monday slates. There's Monday only slates. There's Sunday early, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night. There's all these different slates and you're, you're going to get some variety just by the nature of playing different slates, right, um, in, in terms of competition. So, you know, instead of maybe always playing that one slate 
um, with the same group of players. And even if you build a couple different lineups, there's only going to be so much variance you're going to be able to generate from that. But if you play different slates, um, you can you can open up a little bit more of that for yourself. So I don't know if any of that is going to help anybody, but it's just some things that that, uh, that I uh, try to try to think about um, to, to maybe give myself uh, some edges when I play. So there's there's my contribution uh, to the fantasy segment, uh, such as it is. Um, <laughs> uh, unless either one of you guys got any uh, got any closing comments, I, uh, I think we can wrap it. But let me let me ask you, do, do you have anything that you want to say before we close out? Uh, yeah, I got a couple of things. So um, to kind of uh, piggyback off um, your discussion with the DFS, um, you know, situation uh, or conversation, um, I do a weekly article for for um, Russell Street Report where I do a GPP uh, lineup for DraftKings. So if you're looking to get into um, DFS and looking to, uh, you know, try to play in GPPs, check that article out. Um, I try to go in kind of more in depth into my process of, you know, why I'm selecting the plays, um, I'm selecting and correlations and different things like that. So, uh, you know, I, that usually comes out, you know, Thursday mornings. Um, so just keep an eye out for that. Um, again, it's a lineup to try to win a large field GPP. So it's going to be some kind of um, kind of off the radar play, some, you know, taking some chances, you know, taking some risks. That's, that's kind of what you have to do to win a large field tournament. So, um, you know, it, it's something I, I enjoy doing. It's something that um, I myself am growing at. And uh, so you kind of get to see that growth and kind of take that journey along with me. So. Um, I appreciate everybody that's, that's that's checked it out over the years. This is the third year of it, and I definitely feel like it's something I get better at um, every week. So I'm just looking to kind of keep building on that, that momentum. Uh, so check that out. And then uh, another thing, um, kind of like to announce a, a new segment for the show, um, um, and I, I call it Fix My Team. This is going to be from a redraft standpoint. Uh, if you have a, a redraft a fantasy team that – you know, you have some questions with, you're struggling with, you're not sure what to do. Uh, send that team to us, you know, jump in the DMs, uh, send us a screenshot of, of your roster. Um, you know, maybe give us a little background about how many teams are in the league, what the scoring is and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, maybe tell us what your concerns are. Uh, you can do it uh, anonymously if you want to, or you can put your name on it, whichever way. Um, and, um, you know, we will, um, assess your team on the show and kind of, uh, go through some things and, uh, you know, talk about some of the, the, the tips that we would have to, you know, put you in contention. So, you know, that'll be something we be, uh, we'll be looking to start, um, you know, coming up soon. So like I said, jump in the DM, send me a DM, uh, you know, you know, engage with me on Twitter, uh, engage with the, um, pod. We got a, um, a uh, Twitter account now. So that's at deep cover pod. Give us a follow. Um, if you want to shoot a DM there with your team, um, you know, do that. And um, I'm, I'm looking forward to this segment and uh, I think it'll be some, um, some fun for everybody. Yeah, that's, that's going to be awesome uh, to, to see what we get there. 
And, uh, you know, who knows? There, there might even be um, uh, a Michelle Crawford who throws uh, their team <laughs> in there. You know, my, sister, my sister plays a lot, and, uh, you know, she probably would love to get your advice on, on her lineup and, and how she can make it better. So I'm definitely going to pass that on to her. Um, but, yeah, def- definitely uh, take, take Carrie up on that opportunity and, and read his article. Um, because I can tell you what, if you join him on this journey of growth, uh, your bank account will also grow. <laughs> so it won't just be growth from a learning perspective and, and kind of getting more skillful and, and playing fantasy and playing DFS, but the bank account will also grow. And I think everybody uh, is, is, is looking to do that. So um, for myself, for Chris, for Carrie, hey, uh, we're, we're, we're signing off and we'll, we'll be back at you next week. Going forward, we're going to try to d- keep doing this fantasy content. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll get really ambitious and try to do more than one show a week, but I'm not going to promise anything. It's always better to, to uh, under-promise, over-deliver. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Until next time, uh, stay cool. Uh, we'll be back at you soon. Time to get buck wild. Call me butter fingers, cause I drippity drop um nuff style. Diggity any 